Lesson number 185, Surah Al-Furqan, Ayah number 1 to 20. Surah Al-Furqan is a Makki surah and it was revealed after Surah Yasin. And this surah was revealed in the mid-Meccan era. This surah, Surah Al-Furqan, is right after which surah? Surah Al-Nur. Hmm? Surah Al-Nur is a Madani surah. Before Surah Al-Nur is which surah? Surah Al-Mu'minun. And Surah Al-Mu'minun is a Makki surah. Alright? So there was a group of Makki surahs. After them was Surah Al-Nur, a Madani surah. And now again, we're going to begin a group of Makki surahs. We're going to study about eight surahs in a row, which are going to be Makki. So the theme is going to change. Alright? This surah has about 77 verses, 892 words, and 3,703 letters. Now remember that Makki surahs, what is their theme? Generally, the theme of the Makki surahs, what is it? Tawheed, very good. What else? Prophethood, Risala. The prophethood of Muhammad wasallam. proofs of that are, are given. What else? Day of Judgment. Right, so basically, Makki surahs talk about imaniyat, matters concerning iman, concerning faith. And in the surahs, we will see right at the beginning that the objections that were raised against the Prophet ﷺ, against the Quran, they are all refuted over here. They are all dealt with over here. Why? In order to give tasbih al-qalb stability of the heart to Rasulullah ﷺ, as well as the believers. So let's look at the surah. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Tabaraka, he is blessed. Alladhi, the one who Nazzala al Furqan, who sent down the criterion. Ala Abdihi upon his servant. Liyakuna, so that he is Lilalamina to the world's Nadira, a warner. Allah Tabaraka. Blessed is Allah who الذي نزل الفرقان the one who has gradually sent down the criterion which is the Quran and he has sent it down on who? upon his abd Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and what is the purpose of sending the Quran? لِيَكُونَ لِلْعَالَمِينَ nadira so that the Quran or so that the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam he is to the world's a warner. Or the Qur'an is to the world's a nadir, a warner. Alameen, plural of alam. What does alameen refer to? Everything, everyone besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So alameen basically refers to the creation. And over here in particular, alameen refers to which creation? The Qur'an is a warning for who? Which creation in particular? Is it a warning for the angels? Is it? No. Then it's a warning for who? For mankind. And who else? For the jinn also. So alameen refers to all of humankind, all of jinn. Because the Qur'an is a message that is not just for the Arabs, not just for the people of the time of the Prophet ﷺ, but for who? Alameen, all of mankind. The Prophet ﷺ was sent as a rahmah for who? Rahmatan. Lil'alameen. Mercy for who? For the worlds, for all the people. This is why in Surah Al-A'raf, Ayah 158, Allah says, قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ إِنِّي رَسُولُ اللَّهِ إِلَيْكُمْ جَمِيعًا Say, O oh people, 
O mankind, I am a messenger to all of you. Collectively, every single people, every single race, every single nation, every single family. The Prophet ﷺ, his message was for who? For everybody. In Surah Saba, ayah 28 also we learn, وَمَا أَرُسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا كَافَّةً لِلنَّاسِ بَشِيرًا وَنَذِيرًا We have not sent you except comprehensively to mankind, as a bearer of good news and as a warner. كَافَّةً للناس, All of mankind, every single nation, every single people. And because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent down this Qur'an as a criterion, this is why Allah says, Tabaraka, He is blessed. Because tabaraka is from what? From the word baraka. What does baraka mean? Blessing? Okay. What is baraka? Think about the welcome Ramadan lecture. I told you something about baraka. Ramadan is a month of baraka, blessing. What does it mean? Endless benefit. Endless goodness. Because this is what Ramadan is about, right? You have limited amount of time, you have limited amount of food in your stomach, you have limited amount of sleep, but what happens? That less becomes more. And the benefits of Ramadan, they're not just for the days and nights of Ramadan. They're everlasting. Right? Because the good habits you develop in the month of Ramadan, inshallah, they continue for the rest of the year. And of course, when a person is fasting, then what happens? The reward is when? When he breaks his fast... That's just the beginning, isn't it? The actual reward will be when? When a person will meet Allah, correct? And then the endless, continuous, permanent reward shall begin. So barakah, remember, barakah is khairul kathir al-thabit. Khair, khairul kathir. Good, goodness, that is not just a little bit, but a lot. A lot. And what kind? A thabit, which is firm, which is there to stay. It's not going to go away, it's not going to fade out, it's not going to disappear. So tabaraka, this is a verb talking about who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is blessed. Why? Because from Him, much good is expected. Only good can be expected from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have received so many benefits from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just think about it. The fact that we are alive, the fact that we breathe, the fact that we have people around us, the earth that we live in. I mean, all of these things are what? Benefits for us. And there are so many things that we have come to know of, and there are many other things that we don't even know about. Tabaraka. He is blessed. Good comes from Allah. Expected goodness and also unexpected goodness. Things we know about and also things that we don't know about. And out of all the blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to us, which is the one that He mentions over here? The fact that He has sent the Furqan. Notice, Qur'an is not said. What has been said? Furqan. This is one of the descriptive names of the Qur'an. Because Furqan is from the root letters, Faraqaf. Faraqa. What does faraqa mean? To separate. Alright? Faraqa is basically to break apart so that there is infisal. What is infisal? Separation. Alright? Like for example, if there is a piece of wood, a piece of wood, and you break it, you break it into two pieces. Now these two pieces are completely separate from each other. Completely separate. 
right? You could call them two pieces of wood. What was previously one piece is now two pieces. This is faraqa. To separate in such a way that there is separation. Now, the Qur'an is furqan. Why is the Qur'an called furqan? What does it separate between? Right and wrong. So basically the Qur'an, it takes away your confusion. The Qur'an dispels ignorance, confusion. It gives clarity. Because what happens as you listen to different people, as you look at different things, you think, oh, everything must be okay. Everything must be okay. This must be right and this must be right. Everything must be okay. You get confused. But when you revisit the words of the Qur'an, when you look at the ayat that Allah has revealed, then what happens? You get clarity. You realize that no, this is right, and this is something that is completely wrong. Furqan. The Qur'an will give you the criterion. You know, recently I came across a few lectures and articles about the theory of evolution, or like many say, fact of evolution. Alright? And this is from a Muslim perspective. So how there are people who will say that Adam salam was not really a human being. Who was he? First group of human beings. So the story of Adam in the Qur'an, they say you have to look at it metaphorically. Not literally, but metaphorically. And they say that Adam salam he was not the first human being, rather his parents were homo sapiens. And these are prominent Muslim people who are saying these things, lecturing about this, writing about this. And I'm like, oh my God, how could you say something like that? And I'm like, no, not possible. Because when you look at the ayat of the Qur'an, what does Allah say? خَلَقْتُ بِيَدَيَّ I created Adam with my hands. Allah created Adam alayhi salam with his hands. The fact that in the Qur'an Allah talks about different forms of clay that he created Adam alayhi salam from. Not just one form, but different forms. When you look at the story of Adam alayhi salam, how he was created, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنِّي جَاعِلٌ فِي الْأَرْضِ Khalifa, I am going to place in the earth a Khalifa. Meaning someone who was not there before, now he's coming. And how is he going to come? Generation after generations. Meaning he is going to mark the beginning of a new species, of a new creation. So you see what happens? You hear all these lectures and you read about these things and you're like, Oh my God, this must be right. No. You look at the text of the Qur'an and the Qur'an will give you furqan. It will give you clarity. So you'll be able to tell between what is right and what is wrong. Now this is just one example. So many other things. I mean people question the existence of God. People question the reality of afterlife. So many matters about which there's total confusion Because we like to think of everything from our minds only. We like to believe in things based on our observation only. But when you study the Qur'an, then the Qur'an gives you, it gives you clarity. It tells you this is right, this is wrong. This is truth, this is falsehood. This is halal, this is haram. Also in our own lives, um, sometimes we're confused about what we have to do and then we'll come upon a verse that will like, help us decide. Exactly. So, تَبَارَكَ الَّذِي نَزَّلَ الْفُرْقَانَ عَلَىٰ عَبْدِهِ لِيَكُونَ لِلْعَالَمِينَ نَذِيرًا Bismillah, assalamu alaikum. I was uh, in Atikaf in the masjid and then in Qiyam al-Nulai here, this Sheikh, he said, we have a, a person who want to convert it to Islam. 
And then I thought he was non-Muslim, but he was a Muslim. He left Islam and he came back to Islam. And then when they asked him how he came back to Islam, he said, this, uh, this sheikh, he was giving da'wah in Toronto. And then I tell him, I don't believe in Allah because I don't touch Allah. I believe in whatever I touch. And then the sheikh, he said to him, did you read the beginning of Surah Baqarah? Alladhina yu'minuna bil ghaib. So, did have to be a ghaib? And then he's Arab kid. So he, Remember, he said, yeah, Allah is alive and he came back to deen, subhanAllah. The Qur'an is a Qur'an, it's true. Yes. So, tabaraka, this is why he is blessed, because the Qur'an is such a big blessing. الَّذِي نَزَّلَ الْفُرْقَانَ عَلَىٰ عَبْدِهِ لِيَكُونَ لِلْعَالَمِينَ نَذِيرًا So Allah is the one from whom all good comes. And He is the one who has sent for the guidance of people, the criterion. So they do not live life in confusion, in ignorance. And when a person receives this gift from Allah, then his life will be filled with barakah, with goodness, never-ending blessings. Who is Allah? Alladhi, the one who. Lahu, for him, meaning he owns. Mulku samawati wal ard, the dominion of the heavens and the earth. Meaning the sky, the earth, the universe, what is in the sky, what is in the earth, what is between the sky and the earth, everything belongs to who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even in Surah Al-Mulk, what do we learn? Tabarak alladhi biyadihi al-mulk. وَهُوَ عَلَىٰ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ وَلَمْ يَتَّخِذْ وَلَدًا He has not taken a son. He has not taken a child. Why? He does not have one. He does not need one. He has not adopted one. He has not made one. Why? Because there is no one like him. لَمْ يَلِدْ وَلَمْ يُولَدْ وَلَمْ يَكُنْ لَهُ شَرِيكٌ فِي الْمُلْكِ وَلَمْ and not يَكُنْ There is لَهُ for him شَرِيكٌ فِي الْمُلْكِ A partner in the dominion. He has no partner in his dominion. Why? Because there is none like him. Who needs a partner, by the way? Who needs a partner? Like for example, a business partner. Who would need? Let's say a person wants to start a business. Alright? And the investment, initial investment, it's about, let's say, $50,000. He says, I have $25,000 only. So he says, okay, if I ask my friend to be my business partner in this, and he can invest his $25,000, then together we can do it. So who needs a partner? Who? The one who is? Needy. The one who's not complete. Right? Not complete in his ability, in his power, in his resources, in his strength. He's not able to manage everything himself. So he is in need of partners. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, لَمْ يَكُنْ لَهُ شَرِيكٌ فِي الْمُلْكِ Why? Because he is able. He does not need a partner. And also, if you have a partner, they've got to be similar to you. Right? But there's no one similar to him. وَخَلَقَ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ And He has created everything. Meaning there is nothing except that it is His creation. Everything that exists, it is His creation. People, jinn, mountains, earth, sky, stars, planets, lava, whatever it is, it belongs to who? It is whose creation? Allah's creation. فَقَدَّرَهُ then he determined it with precise determination. This word qaddara, it seems very small, but it's got so much meaning in it that literally you could write essays and essays on this. Qaddara, yuqaddiru taqdir. What does it mean? 
Qadr. Qadr is what? The value, the amount of something. Alright? And Qaddara is to estimate something. To estimate the amount of something, the value of something. Alright? And what this means is taqdeer. When you hear the word taqdeer, what comes to your mind? Fate, divine decree. Right? What is divine decree? So for example, think of yourself. Everything about me is known to Allah from before. Right? He has decreed it, He has decided it. What does that mean? At what time I was supposed to be born, to which parents, huh? in which country, what day, right? how many siblings, how much food am I supposed to eat, which places am I supposed to go to? Which teachers am I supposed to have? What school am I supposed to study in? Whatever has happened in my life has happened with whose knowledge? Whose will? Whose permission? Whose decision? Allah's decision. So basically what this means is that the creation that Allah has created, which is everything basically, it's not haphazard. It's not haphazard. It's not without any order. No. Everything is precisely calculated, determined, decided, planned from before. So for example, the hand that you have did not just randomly become like this. No. Allah decreed that we should have two hands. Allah decreed that our one hand should have five fingers, four fingers, one thumb. Like my son says, I have eight fingers and two thumbs. Hmm? So this is what Allah's decree Right? The lines that we have in our hands, the joints, the little bones that we have, all of this is according to Allah's decree. It didn't happen haphazardly. فَقَدَّرَهُ تَقْدِيرًا And you see every single creature, I mean it's got its fine details. Isn't it so? Every single creature. Recently I watched part of the documentary which is about salmon. Alright, Salmon Run. BBC. If you haven't seen it, please see it. Please go watch it. It's amazing. How salmon, how they travel from the ocean, alright, through the rivers, against the water, alright, and where are they going? To their breeding grounds, which are miles and miles away. Literally miles away. And it's such a difficult journey that throughout this journey, these fish, they don't eat anything because if they stop to eat, what's going to happen to them? What's going to happen to them? They're going to go back with the stream, with the water. So they don't stop to eat at all. Alright? And sometimes they're jumping, you know, up literally, out of the water. Why? In order to go higher. And then they're caught by bears, and then bears come and eat them, and then bears leave them, you know, leave the carcasses. And then what happens? Next year, the plants that grow, they're so rich in nutrients that they serve as food for the bears that have just come out of a hibernation, still waiting for the salmon to come. I mean, it's such an intricate, detailed system, and we've barely scratched the surface of it. And then finally, when the salmon get to their breeding grounds, what happens? They spawn, and then they die after that. Why do they die after that? Because they don't have the strength to go back to the ocean to feed. They don't have it. I mean, فَقَدَّرَهُ تَقْدِيرًا Is this happening at random? Who planned this? That the fish leave the ocean, they go all the way in sweet fresh water, over there they lay their eggs and then they die over there. And when they die, what happens? Their carcasses, they are food for their babies, basically. Because all the nutrients from them Who's benefiting from it? The rest of the creation that is there. 
So, فَقَدَّرَهُ تَقْدِيرًا This is Allah's planning for every single creature. It's not happening at random. This is Allah, the one who has revealed the Qur'an. In Surah Al-Qamr, Ayah 49, Allah says, إِنَّا كُلَّ شَيْءٍ خَلَقْنَاهُ بِقَدَرٍ Indeed, all things we have created with qadr, with decree. So I want to give you some homework. I gave you the example of salmon. Alright? Now you have to find out about a particular creature. Choose anything. Fish, bear, cat, whatever. Alright? Look at its history, how it has evolved over time or whatever, and how it has adapted to its living conditions, and come up with good, inshallah, beneficial information that we can share with each other, so that we can strengthen our iman. Because Allah is the planner of not just us. He has planned everything. قَدَّرَهُ تَقْدِيرًا Of what? كُلَّ شَيْءٍ A gnat, mosquito, fly, bear, fish, human being, Everything. قَدَّرَهُ تَقْدِيرًا So this is your homework. Partner with three or four people or maybe with your group inshallah. Discuss tomorrow in your groups. And then next week, Saturday, you have to bring information inshallah. Alright? I'm not just saying this to the walls. I'm saying this to who? Exactly. So who has to do it? The sister sitting next to you? Who has to do it? You have to do it. Everybody has to do it. Inshallah. Allah says, وَاتَّخَذُوا But they have taken مِن دُونِهِ besides him آلِهَةً Other gods. Allah is the creator of everything. He has planned everything. And what have people done? They have taken others as gods besides him. And who are they? آلِهَة plural of ilah. Who are these whom they have given the status of God? لَا يَخْلُقُونَ شَيْئًا They do not create anything. وَهُمْ While they يُخْلَقُونَ They are created. They don't create anything while they themselves are created. By who? By those that worship them. Or created by who? By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because if they were not made, these idols, if they were not made, what would they be? Nothing. وَلَا يَمْلِكُونَ Nor do they own لِأَنفُسِهِمْ For themselves ضَرًّا Any harm وَلَا And nor نَفْعًا Any benefit Meaning they don't have any power to protect themselves from harm or to bring benefit to themselves. If they cannot benefit themselves then how can they benefit those who worship them? If they cannot protect themselves from decaying then how can they protect their lives from deteriorating? What happens to an idol that is made of wood or gold or, or whatever? When you go to museums and you see these things, right? how much money and how much time they invest into preserving these statues, what does it show? That they are in need of constant care. If they cannot protect themselves over time, they crumble and they fade. What benefit can they bring to others? وَلَا يَمْلِكُونَ And they do not possess any power. Over what? Over mawtan, over death. وَلَا hayatan, Nor over life. Meaning they cannot cause death, nor can they give life. وَلَا nushura, Nor do they have any power over nushur. What does nushur mean? Resurrection. Meaning once someone has died, they cannot bring them back to life. So if they are like this, how could they be God? Who could be God besides Allah? Nobody. If you compare these two verses, what do we learn? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who has created everything. خَلَقَ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ And not just created randomly, but according to a precise determination. 
And others who are worshipped besides Allah, what have they created? What have they created? Nothing. In fact, they are themselves creation. In Surah Al-A'raf, Ayah 191, Allah says, Do they associate with Him those who create nothing while they themselves are created? Then we see that Allah is the ultimate Malik. He is the owner. الَّذِي لَهُ مُلْكُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ He has no partner. And these so-called gods that are worshipped besides Allah, what power do they have? No power at all. They cannot give life, they cannot give death, they cannot resurrect, they don't control good, they don't control harm, nothing. What does this ayah prove to us? The oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. His absolute lordship. That worship is for Him alone. Why? Because He is the Creator and to Him is our return. And how is it that we are to worship Him? We have to look at the Furqan, the criterion that Allah has revealed. But what do people do? They discredit this Qur'an. They say, oh this Qur'an, this Furqan, this criterion, this is, this is not true. They object. What are their objections? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions them. وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا And those who disbelieve say, إِنْ هَذَا This is not إِلَّا إِفْكُنْ Except a lie. They say this Qur'an is nothing but a lie. A lie that iftarahu. He has invented it. Who has invented it? They say that Muhammad wasallam has invented it. What is ifk? Ifk is from the root letters Hamza Fakaf. And if gives a lie. Remember Surah An-Nur? إِنَّ الَّذِينَ جَاءُوا بِالْإِفْكِ Ifk literally is to turn something from its original direction. المؤتفكات مؤتفكات Same root, Hamza Fakaf refers to the cities that were overturned. The people to whom Lut السلام, was sent. What was their punishment? They were picked up and they were overturned, thrown back down. So what was up was now down. You understand? This is if to turn something from its original direction so that it doesn't remain the same. And if is used for intentional lying, deliberately lying. Why? To misrepresent reality, to change the facts. It is to turn reality around so that people don't know what the truth is. Then if is also to make mawjood into ghayr mawjood. What is mawjood? That which is present. That which is there. Alright? So to say that it is ghayr mawjood, it's not there. Something happened and you say, no, it didn't happen. This is what? An ifk. Or the exact opposite. Make ghayr mawjood into mawjood. Something didn't happen and you say that it happened. Like the story of ifk. The accusation that was hurled against Aisha radiallahu anha. Nothing bad happened, nothing evil happened. They said it happened, but it didn't actually happen. This is ifk. This is the kind of a lie that it is. So they say this Qur'an is an ifk. Why do they say it's an ifk? They say that Allah never really revealed anything. Muhammad sallallahu has invented it. They say he's invented it, iftarahu. But of course, when you look at the Qur'an, you know that this cannot be the product of a human mind. So they say, oh, he didn't do it himself. وَأَعَانَهُ عَلَيْهِ أَعَانَهُ He helped him. أَعَانَ from the root letters, عَيْن وَعُنُونَ عَوْن عَوْن is to help. إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ Same root. So they say that he helped him over this fabrication. Who helped him? 
قَوْمٌ آخَرُونَ Some other people. Other people, meaning non-Arabs. Because the stories that the Qur'an mentions, these stories were unknown to the Arabs. Completely unknown. So for example, the story of Yusuf a.s. Even the story of Musa a.s. The details of the story of Maryam, of Isa a.s. I mean, all of these stories were unknown to the Arabs. This was not in their tradition. You understand? So they would say, the mushrikeen would say, Oh Muhammad wasallam has learned these stories from some other people. Who other people? Non-Arabs. Who are these non-Arabs? There were these Christian slaves that were brought into Makkah. Alright? And their names are mentioned. Addas, Yasar. So they said that Muhammad wasallam has learned these stories from them. أَعَانَهُ عَلَيْهِ قَوْمٌ آخَرُونَ Allah says, فَقَدْ جَاءُوا When they have accused Muhammad ﷺ of lying, of fabricating, what are these people doing? They have come up with ظُلْمًا with injustice wazura And a great lie. They say Qur'an is a lie, they are lying. They say he has invented it, these people are zalim. They are committing ظُلْم. How have they committed ظُلْم? By accusing the Prophet ﷺ of lying. What is ظلم? What is injustice? What is ظلم? To put something where it doesn't belong. Remember the definition of ظلم? To put something where it doesn't belong. The Qur'an is haq. Muhammad ﷺ was truthful. And they're calling him a liar. Isn't that unfair? A man who is known for his truthfulness, for his honesty, he is being called a liar. Is that unfair or is that fair? It's totally unfair. So by accusing him of fabrication, they're doing zulm. And zur, they have brought zur. What is zur? Zur is also a lie. But what kind of a lie is it? It is said, zawartu shay' zai wa'ura. Zawartu shay' meaning I proportioned it, I beautified it. Alright? Just think of it like you just baked a cake and you're decorating it, right? You're putting icing on it. And when you put icing on it, you know, just put it like that, it's not going to look beautiful. Isn't it? So once you put icing on it, what do you do? Do you level it? Do you smoothen it? To make it look nice? Right? And maybe you'll put those, you know, designs or something on it so that it looks more beautiful. This is zawara. Alright? This is zawara. So zur is basically a lie that looks so beautiful so that a person thinks that it's true. Meaning, a statement that has no reality to it, but it's said in such a nice way that it's so appealing that people accept it. It's appealing. Now when you hear these statements coming from non-Muslims, whether they were from the time of the Prophet ﷺ or after him or today, and they say things like, Oh, Muhammad ﷺ, he just learned these stories from so-and-so people and they helped him and he traveled to such and such place and he learned those stories from there. Apparently, it's a very convincing argument. Allah says, فَقَدْ جَاءُوا ظُلْمًا What they have said is pure injustice and it's a lie. It's a lie. It's not true at all. You see, they say, إِن كُنْتَ كَذُوبًا فَكُنْ ذَكُورًا If you're gonna lie, then at least remember your lies. Be intelligent about it. Alright? Now the mushrikeen of Makkah, what would they say? They would say that Muhammad wasallam has learned this Qur'an from non-Arabs. Now, the Qur'an is what? It's an 
eloquent, pure Arabic language. So eloquent. How could it come from non-Arabs? How could it come? In Surah An-Nahl, Ayah 103, Allah says, وَلَقَدْ نَعْلَمُ أَنَّهُمْ يَقُولُونَ إِنَّمَا يُعَلِّمُهُ بَشَرٌ We know that they say, a human being has taught him. لِسَانُ الَّذِي يُلْحِدُونَ إِلَيْهِ أَعْجَمِيهِ وَهَذَا لِسَانٌ عَرَبِيٌّ مُبِينٌ The language that they're referring to hmm, is non-Arab. And this Qur'an is in clear Arabic language. So, how could he learn this Arabic eloquent Qur'an from non-Arabic speakers? And if they say that he has fabricated it, then why didn't anyone else give it a try? How come Muhammad ﷺ was the only one who fabricated the Qur'an? You understand? You see like for example, after the death of the Prophet ﷺ, in fact before his death, there was a person who claimed that I am also a Prophet. Alright? And as soon as the Prophet ﷺ died, one after the other, so many people claimed that they were Prophets. Alright? Because what happens? When one person lies about something, then there's 20 other people who will say the same lie. You understand? Like a bad trend. But if the Prophet ﷺ, they say that he has invented this Qur'an, then what about the rest of the poets and eloquent speakers of Arabia? How come they haven't produced anything like it? فَقَدْ وَزُورًا وَقَالُوا And they say, أَسَاطِيرُ الْأَوَّلِينَ أَسَاطِيرُ is a plural of أُسْطُورَ They say these are stories of the former peoples. There are stories and there are legends. اِكْتَتَبَهَا Which he has written down. اِكْتِتَاب كَافْتَابَ كَتَبَ يَكْتُبُ is to write. But اِكْتِتَاب is to order something to be written. When do you have someone else write for you? When? When you can't write yourself. Right? Like for example, when will you ask your friend to write an assignment for you? When you can't do it yourself. Right? Go ahead. We had a course in which the professor's primary argument was that the Prophet didn't even exist at all. And what happened was that after when they were compiling the Qur'an, they just made up a figure that the Muslims needed and they wrote down stories about him. So he was like Asatirul Awwalin. He himself. Okay. So that was his whole argument. Interesting. Zulman wazura. You see, this is zul, pure injustice, and this is zur. It's a lie that seems to be so convincing, so appealing that you're like, wow, yeah, that makes sense. No, it doesn't make sense when you analyze it, when you go deep into it, it doesn't make sense. فَقَجَّاءُ ظُلْمًا wazura. And you see, zulm is unfair judgment. And zur is also used for false testimony. What comes first? Judgment comes first or testimony comes first? Testimony comes first, right? But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says they have come with zulm and zur. They have committed zulm first, meaning their unfair judgment came first. What is their unfair judgment? That Muhammad is a liar. And then they're looking for some kind of proof, anything, to accuse him of lying. فَقَدْ جَاءُوا ظُلْمًا وَزُورًا وَقَالُوا أَسَاطِيرُ الْأَوَّلِينَ اِكْتَتَبَهَا They say these are just stories of the former people that he has had written down. Because they knew that he could not write himself. فَهِيَ So it is. تُمْلَى عَلَيْهِ It is dictated to him. ميم لام واو إِمْلَى is to dictate. Alright? So they say that these stories are then dictated to him بُكْرَةً in the morning وَأَصِيلًا and in the afternoon. Why are they dictated to him? Because they knew that he couldn't read himself. Alright? Muhammad ﷺ was ummi, right? Could he write himself? No. Could he read himself? No. So basically what they said was that Muhammad ﷺ made up this Qur'an 
right? With a few other people, non-Arabs. And then he dictated to them. So they wrote everything down for him. And once they wrote everything down for him, what do they do? They read it to him in the morning and in the afternoon. I mean, does it make sense? It's complicated to even understand this. Right? Because basically what they're saying is that Muhammad wasallam he could not have invented this himself. He took the help of others. And then of course when a person, he makes something up, he lies, then what happens after some time? He forgets. So to make sure that he doesn't forget, he has had these verses or surahs written down. And then they read back to him to make sure that he remembers them. To make sure that he does not forget them. قُلْ Allah says, say, أَنزَلَهُ He has revealed it. Who has revealed this Qur'an? الَّذِي يَعْلَمُ السِّرَّ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ The one who knows the secret in the heavens and the earth. Who has revealed this Qur'an? The one who knows every secret, whether it is in the sky or it is in the earth. You don't even know a fraction of what is visible, let alone what is hidden. So the one who knows every secret, he is the one who has revealed this Qur'an. إِنَّهُ كَانَ غَفُورًا رَحِيمًا Indeed, he is ever forgiving and merciful. Why is this mention over here? That the Qur'an is from the one who knows every secret. Because the one who has revealed this Qur'an will disclose some secrets to his messenger through revelation. And what will happen? When you will come to know of their reality, when they will come true before you, then you will have no option but to accept. You see, for example, the son of Abu Lahab, right? The son of Abu Lahab, he was engaged to the daughter of the Prophet ﷺ. When the Prophet ﷺ spread his message, Abu Lahab ordered his sons to break the engagements. So what happened? Abu Lahab, as he was himself very violent in his opposition to Rasulullah ﷺ and very vulgar, his sons were the same. One of his sons, one day, he was very, very vulgar in the way that he dealt with Rasulullah ﷺ. And the Prophet ﷺ said that one of the dogs of Allah will kill him. One of the dogs of Allah will kill him meaning a dog that will be sent by Allah. So Abu Lahab, when he heard this, he was really frightened for his son, really worried about his son, about his safety. Because the Prophet ﷺ is basically telling something about the future. Alright? So what happened? His son went on some trade journey. When he went on the journey, he was really worried. Constantly he was afraid that Muhammad ﷺ has said this about me, it's gonna come true, it's gonna come true. So what happened, they had set camp somewhere, the whole caravan, and to keep him safe, they said, okay, you sleep right in the middle. Everyone else will surround you, you sleep right in the middle. And that is where he slept. Now what happened? A lion came, crossed all the people, and attacked the son of Abu Lahab, who was sleeping in the middle of the people. A lion. Alright, a dog, a lion. So a lion came and killed him. This was what? foretelling something of the future. So this Qur'an is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one who knows the unseen, the hidden secrets, the matters of the future also. And some of these secrets, Allah will disclose to His Messenger, who will tell you about them, and when they will come true, when you will see them happening before your eyes, you will not be able to 
reject. You will not be able to deny the reality of this Qur'an, the truthfulness of Muhammad wasallam. This is just one example that I gave you. Surah Al-Rum also, what does it tell us? About the defeat of the Romans and how in a few years that defeat will turn into victory. And it happened very soon. The battle of Badr also, before the battle began, the Prophet ﷺ told the Sahaba, this is where Abu Jahal will die, this is where so and so will die, this is where so and so will die. And that's exactly what happened. After the battle when the Sahaba went to see, that's exactly what they found. That Abu Jahal had died in the very place that the Prophet ﷺ had told them about. So these were all what? Evidence, proof of the fact that this Messenger ﷺ is the Messenger of who? Allah, the one who knows the secrets of the skies and the earth. And notice the names that are mentioned over here. إِنَّهُ كَانَ غَفُورًا رَحِيمًا Allah is forgiving and merciful. Why has this been mentioned? He is forgiving, meaning He is giving them time so that perhaps they will believe. And when they will do so, they will find Allah's forgiveness and mercy. What happened to Hind? She chewed, chewed the liver of Hamza radiallahu anhu. And what happened to Hind? Eventually she embraced Islam. Khalid bin Walid brought so much harm to the Muslims at the battle of Uhud. And what happened? He accepted Islam. Think about Umar radiallahu anhu. How much he also persecuted the Muslims. And what happened? He accepted Islam. إِنَّهُ كَانَ غَفُورًا رَحِيمًا Now this ayah, what does it prove? That the Qur'an does not contain anything false. There is no false information in the book of Allah. Why? Because this book is whose book? The one who knows the hidden matters also. What happens to science? Does it change over time? Changes, right? I mean, things that are called facts today, it's quite possible that within a few years we say, oh no, that was totally wrong. We completely misunderstood. Right? Because every now and then we learn new things and as we learn new things, we question what we have already discovered. And as a result, what happens to science? It constantly changes. But the Qur'an, this is the speech of Allah. It's based on facts. Does it change? Are there any errors in this book? Not at all. Because this book is based on reality. This is why if ever we find something mentioned in the Qur'an, and then something that science tells us, and both contradict each other, then what is it that we have to take? The Qur'an or the science? The Qur'an. Why? Because the science, it can change. But the Qur'an is based on facts. On his uh, 79th birthday last year, he said, uh, Stephen Hawking, we know about black holes, right? So on uh, his uh, 79th birthday last year, he said, I said wrong that uh, time even stops over there. So and we are studying there, you know, in our, this is our part of our curriculum. So I mean, the same person, after a couple of years, he's changing his views. Why? Because with more research, with more study, he has learned something else. Assalamu alaikum. Recently they discovered a copy of an old manuscript in the UK and it's a copy of the Quran. And Kakabin dating proved that this copy was from the time after the Prophet ﷺ when the Quran was compiled by the Sahaba. Subhanallah. So they say that either one of the Sahaba wrote it or one of the students of the Sahaba wrote it. It's that old. And I don't know if you've seen images of it When you compare that copy with current copies of the Qur'an I mean the text is 
It's the same, it's identical. No change. So these are little, little things that we come across every now and then that prove to us that always we have to prefer the Qur'an over what people say, what people have discovered, because what people have discovered, what they say, it can change. Their opinions can change. But the Qur'an is based on facts. In Surah An-Nisa, Ayah 82, Allah says, وَلَوْ كَانَ مِنْ عِنْدِ غَيْرِ اللَّهِ لَوَجَدُوا فِيهِ اخْتِلَافًا كَثِيرًا If the Qur'an was from someone other than Allah, they would have found in the Qur'an much contradiction. In Surah Tawa, Ayah 4, Allah says, تَنزِيلًا مِمَّنْ خَلَقَ الْأَرْضَ وَالسَّمَاوَاتِ الْعُلَىٰ This is revelation from who? From the one who created the earth and the highest skies. Meaning the whole existence is His creation. The whole universe is His creation. And who knows but the Creator? So this Qur'an is from Allah, free of errors. Actually, let's listen to the recitation of these verses. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم تبارك الذي نزل الفرقان على عبده ليكون للعالمين نذيرا الذي له ملك السماوات والأرض ولم يتخذ ولدا ولم يكن له شريك في الملك ولم يتخذ ولدا ولم يكن له شريك في الملك وخلق كل شيء فقدره تقديرا وَاتَّخَذُوا مِن دُونِهِ آلِهَةً لَا يَخْلُقُونَ شَيْئًا وَهُمْ يُخْلَقُونَ وَلَا يَمْلِكُونَ وَلَا يَمْلِكُونَ لِأَنفُسِهِمْ ضَرًّا وَلَا نَفْعًا وَلَا يَمْلِكُونَ وَلَا يَمْلِكُونَ مَوْتًا وَلَا حَيَاتًا وَلَا نُشُورًا وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا إِنْ هَذَا إِلَّا إِفْكٌ افْتَرَاهُ وَأَعَانَهُ عَلَيْهِ قَوْمٌ آخَرُونَ فَقَدْ جَاءُوا ظُلْمًا وَقَالُوا أَسَاطِيرُ الْأَوَّلِينَ اكْتَتَبَهَا فَهِيَتُمْ لَا عَلَيْهِ بُكْرَةً وَأَصِيلًا قُلْ أَنْزَلَهُ الَّذِي يَعْلَمُ السِّرَّ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ إِنَّهُ كَانَ غَفُورًا رَحِيمًا 